You are listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 90. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should do. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people. Guess what? That is you, my friend. Build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor. By day, I am a fee-only, completely independent, certified financial planner for a company called Fortress Planning Group, and in my off time, I like to do this podcast, mostly because I like to listen to myself talk, but we, we are in a season right now, a season of behavior fin- behavioral finance, and we're on number six of 10 rules of the laws of wealth, book by Daniel Crosby. We'll get back into that in just a second. You know, before we get into it, though, my my kids, you know, I like talking about my kids. I'm going to talk about them a little bit right now. Sometimes my little ones, especially little Eva and Grace, say, Daddy, what do you do? You know, they come to my office, which is a beautiful office. You should come and take a look at it sometime. Right on Pewaukee Lake, just west of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but they asked me, what do you do? And the best way that I can describe it is I say, kids, I turn $10 bills into $100 bills. First of all, I say that because they think that that's really cool, but then they think that I can snap my fingers and make it happen when really, if I got down into the weeds, we know that investing is like watching grass grow. Real investors get that 10 to turn into 100, but it takes years to do so. That's investing. So my kids go on and tell their kids and their kids' mom and dads that I turn 10s into 100s, and I don't. I have no idea what they're thinking, what I actually do. And then my 19-year-old Chloe, she came over a couple days ago, and she said, Dad, I've been listening to your podcast, and it it blew me away. I mean, way back in the day, Chloe and I used to spend time talking about what to do with the money she was earning. We had a bucket of money that she was going to spend, a bucket she was going to save, and a bucket that she was going to give away. We also talked about what it takes to become a millionaire, what it takes to turn that 10 into a 100. You know, this was when she was a little older, more like 10 or 11 years old, maybe 12. And I told her, you know, Chloe, if you can come up with even 20 or 30 or 40 dollars a month we can turn you into a millionaire by retirement but i said if you wait if you wait chloe someday you're going to have to put in 200 a month to get to the million and then 500 then 1000 then 2000 i run some retirement plans for folks that are getting close to retirement and they need to save 5000 or more a month to get up to um, that million dollar mark 
But she was on board with it all back then, and she came to me and said, Dad, I've been listening to your podcast, and it made me just glow. But then she said, but I only listened to the first few minutes, Dad, because once you get to the topic of the day, I don't even understand what you're talking about. It's not interesting to me, so I just go on to the next episode and listen to the, to the first five minutes. You know, I'll take what I can get. And if she just wants to listen to to the first five minutes, that is totally cool with me. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. Forecasting is for weathermen. But really, forecasting isn't for weathermen either. But we'll get into that in in just a little bit. Because we are on law number six of 10 in Dr. Daniel Crosby's book. But actually, if you're following along in the book, it is his rule number seven. But I, I shifted him around a little bit because that's just what I do. But if, if you're interested, listen to the previous five or so episodes to get the other laws. You don't have to listen to them first, but this whole season we're in is about behavioral finance, about the things we can control, not the things we can't control. But go to Amazon, look up the laws of wealth, pick up Dr. Daniel Crosby's book because it is a gem. I'm telling you, it's great. And he starts each, each chapter out with a quote. And, and the quote in this chapter was, those who have knowledge don't predict. Those who predict don't have knowledge. Let's unpack that in the next 10 minutes or so. So Dr. Daniel goes on and gives a little analogy about someone who's walking down the beach. Let's pretend that it was you and you found a bottle. And it's not a bottle where you can select three wishes. No, this is a totally different bottle. This bottle gives you one option or the other. You choose which one you want. And one option is you get $30,000 a year. Pretty cool, huh? The other option is you have sufficient time in your day to exercise for 30 minutes. Let's weigh these out. Take the 30 grand or take the the time of 30 minutes a day to exercise. That time is yours. If I'm like you, mostly we come up with the excuse of I don't have time to exercise. Well, you have a sufficient 30 minutes. What are you going to choose? Which option? I'll tell you what most, what most people choose. It's the money. That's what I would choose. Our brains tell us that the money will make us most happy in this situation. That's what our brains are telling us. But we're wrong. We are wrong. Research shows that regular exercise does far more to increase our happiness and our quality of life than money. So how do we get it wrong? Why, why, why a prediction that's so simple we can't even get right? It turns out we're pretty good forecasters when it comes to physical pain. I mean, I can forecast that if you punch me in the face, it's going to hurt. That's my forecast. And on the other end of the spectrum, if, if you're going to grill me up a nice ribeye, medium rare, seared to perfection, I am going to experience pleasure. That's my prediction because I've never run into a ribeye cooked to perfection that didn't make me happy. 
we are good at those kinds of predictions. What we're horrible at forecasting is physical utility. We, we fall prey to so many different cognitive distortions. It's not even funny, like the exercise versus the money. If these distortions get that simple thing wrong, why in the world do we think we can get a dynamic system like the stock market right? guy named David Dreamin, he did a study looking at forecasters in the stock market from 1973 to 1993, and he looked at nearly 80,000 predictions. That's a lot. And his outcome was horrible. Only one in 170 chance of being within 5% of your prediction. So if I were to predict at the beginning of the year, that the stock market was going to raise 10%. I have a 1 in 170 chance of even being within 5% of that, which would be between the stock market going up 5% and 15%. Only 1 in 170. We're we're horrible at it, but it, it keeps happening. Predictions happen every day. You can turn on the news right now and probably hear a prediction about the economy or the stock market. Wow, with the stock market going up so much right now, client after client after client is coming to me and saying, whoa, the stock market's going up and up. It can't last forever. What are we going to do now? In 2008, the average prediction of where the stock market was headed was a a 20% increase. We look at all the predictions and the average was a 20% increase in the stock market. And we all know what actually happened in 2008. The stock market dropped 40%. How do we get it so wrong? Forecasters are consistently inconsistent. UCLA did a study of thousands and thousands of predictions, not just stock market predictions, but predictions by hundreds of experts. And the experts were barely better than a flip of the coin. And the kicker is the more confident the expert is, the more likely they are to be wrong. Think about when you when you hear a Wall Street prediction on a certain stock or where the stock market is headed. Normally, before the prediction is made, this this person, the credentials are handed out. They might be a Harvard graduate having a PhD, some top position at Goldman Sachs or something like that. Fancy letters after their name. And once we hear all that, the credentials, it's somebody we want to listen to. This is someone, though who can barely get a 50 to 50 chance on an outcome. They're just as likely to make the prediction and get it right as you are. And you may not have all the credentials as the person making the prediction on the news or in the newspaper. And fame and fortune that a lot of these people have in their backgrounds, they lead to overconfidence, which what I pointed out before makes the prediction less likely to come true. 
but we keep going back and back and back to the well. And then when one of these experts that I say in quotations gets something right, we want to follow them for a long time. If they got that right, they must be right the next time. Let's look at a prominent investor, Ken Fisher, way smarter than I am, probably more of an education. Let's, let's say that first. Probably has more letters after his name. Probably has a much larger, in fact, does have a much larger business than I do. Ken Fisher made wonderful predictions around the bubble back in 2002, 2003. So when 2008 was hitting, who are we going to turn to so we know what to do with our money? We're going to turn to Ken. And you know what Ken predicted for 2008? A good year for stocks. He was helping that that average prediction of, of 20%. And you know what he said? Particularly, he thought that the sector that was going to do the best was the financial market. So we know that in 2008, the S&P dropped almost 40%. And you know what really brought that S&P down? The sector, the financial sector. He was wrong about the market. He was wrong about the sector. But he was also asked another question. He was asked, of all the companies in the S&P 500, the largest companies in the United States, which one do you think will do the best? And his prediction was AIG, the insurance company that the government ended up propping up so it wouldn't go bankrupt. And it turned out that AIG was not the best performing stock in 2008 of the 500 largest companies. It was the worst performing stock. How did, how did Ken get it wrong? I mean, totally smart guy. Got everything right there in the bubble. Why didn't he get things wrong now? Because the flip of the coin, well, it didn't go his way this time. I mean, he had to be smarter than predicting the worst performing stock to be the best. I mean, that's the opposite of good luck. That's, that's the bad luck, friends. And when we think about all these people on Wall Street, they're not paid for their mispredictions. Oftentimes, they get paid just to make a prediction, period. Or, worse yet, Wall Street makes predictions on stocks so you might buy. You know, broker-dealers, part of the reason why they're called a dealer is sometimes they hold a certain position of a stock, but if they want to unload it, they're not going to call you up and say, this is a bad stock because you're not going to buy it. They're going to call you up or release to the press that this has a buy signal because they may want to get rid of their stocks. Benjamin Graham, famous value investor from many, many years ago. This is where Warren Buffett got all of not all of his ideas, but a lot of his ideas. Ben Graham. Well, Ben Graham said anyone who is interested in stocks wants to be told by someone else what the stock market is doing. Isn't that the truth? If you got money in stocks, you want to know where the stock market is headed. I get asked the question all the time. There's a demand for predictions. So predictions must be supplied, whether or not they're accurate or not, or whether or not it matters if they have a 50-50 chance of being right. And it's not only a demand. We as a people, we crave predictions. I mean, we crave them, not only in, in, in stocks, like I said, but in other areas of our life, like, like the weather. You remember when the weather You could turn on the news and you may get the next two days of forecast. Well, it turns out we wanted more. 
So then there was a three-day forecast. And years later, that wasn't enough. So let's come up with the five-day forecast. And then one news station looked at the other news station and said, well, they're just giving a five-day forecast. Let's come up with a 10-day forecast. I have seen 14-day forecasts and 30-day forecasts. I mean, how ludicrous is this? And you know how often the weather man is actually right because not because they're they're dumb people. It's because you can't predict how the weather is actually gonna gonna move sometimes. It moves randomly. And I fall prey to this because if we're gonna go on vacation, I'm gonna get my weather app out and I'm gonna punch in the city where we're going and I'm gonna look for the the weather up to two weeks before we go and i'll turn to my wife and i'll say it looks like it's going to be raining in two weeks when we're going on vacation in florida when in reality we have no idea what's going to happen in 14 days i just participated in my fantasy football draft last weekend there's predictions all over the place over what teams are going to do the best what players are going to do the best forecasting the number of of carries a running back might have through the season and the number of yards the the number of catches a receiver might have the percentage of accuracy of completed passes by the quarterbacks the number of touchdown passes it is crazy but all these are our guesses. These are the experts, in quotations again. And when I'm doing my fantasy football draft, I rely on the experts to come up with my draft. If I have the first pick in the draft, I'm going to look to these experts to see which player I should pick next. But you know what? They don't know. But there's so many things that could happen. What might appear to be a weak schedule by a team, therefore many maybe putting up a lot of points during the season, might turn out to be a very difficult schedule. And we don't know who's going to get hurt. There's so many things we don't know. We know what happened in the past, but none of us, when it comes to the stock market, when it comes to fantasy football, when it comes to weather, we don't have a crystal ball to tell us about future events. Just like in fantasy football, when it comes to a certain company, there might be bad management we don't know about right now. There might be a a new political policy that comes out that affects their business or new competition might prop up. So many different things. What about you? Do you do you crave predictions? Do you ask other people what they think the stock market is going to do? Do you make the predictions yourself? Because the scary, scary thing is when we fall victim to believing certain forecasts, now we're making decisions on our long-term financial freedom based off of somebody's guess. So now what? Now what do we do? What do we do with this knowledge? Well, Dr. Daniel gives three things at the end of each chapter. He wants you to think, he wants you to ask yourself, and he wants you to do something. The first is think. The next time somebody makes a prediction and it causes you emotionally to get stirred up, say this to yourself three times. This person has no clue. This person has no clue. This person has no clue. 
Ask yourself, which is number two in Dr. Daniel. Ask yourself, is the prediction that is being made, the projection, is it is it probabilistic? Is it measured? Is it research-based? And what is this person's prior history, which is probably the most important? Because we want to believe somebody's prediction, but maybe they've made 20 predictions in their lifetime and they've only got seven or eight of them right. Why are you believing this prediction? Always try and check the person's prior history and you'll find it's no better than 50-50. Finally, Dr. Daniel, he wants you to do. And this is what he wants. He wants you to have a system in place rather than relying on predictions. And what, what system is that? It's having an investment policy statement. An investment policy statement that tells you your risk level, your goals, what you want to accomplish, and then making a portfolio that you can stick with in the good times and in the bad times. And when you get highly emotional, you go back to that investment policy statement and you say, this was right for me then and it's right for me now. Have a plan. Have an investment policy statement. All right, that's going to wrap up this week, my friends. It's great to be with you again. I'm sorry I missed last week, but hey, can't can't make it every week, right? Everybody have a great, great week, and I'll see you when I see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, everybody. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance with compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.